Welcome to Selfish Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care, self-love, and self-indulgence. I'm Sarah. And I'm Morgan. And Selfish was created out of my desire to spread a message of self-love and putting yourself first. In a world that is designed and profits from running us too hard, paying us too little, and making us doubt ourselves too much, our goal is to support us all in being a little more selfish. Each week, we will talk about ways we care for ourselves, from therapy to astrology, self-dates to identity. We are two friends who love to talk about these things for ourselves, for each other, and for our communities. So each week, we'll journal about a topic, and then we'll come together to share our reflections with each other and with you. Come with us on this journal journey, and let's get selfish, fish. Okay, hello again, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Selfish. Today we have another special guest, a dear friend of mine, Wendy. Wendy is a daughter of immigrants and a first generation professional. She is currently working as a mental health clinician and received her master's in counseling psychology with a concentration in marriage and family therapy in 2021. She deeply cares about the mental health and well-being of BIPOC families and is committed to changing the exclusion they've faced in the Bay Area. Wendy has worked with Latinx, undocumented, and immigrant families and youth in San Francisco, and now she works in Half Moon Bay with the farm workers and Latinx community there. Welcome to Selfish, Wendy. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so excited um, to be here and be talking to you, Sarah. I'm excited too. <laughs> this is, I think, the second project we've worked on together because you helped me with the magazine way back when as well. Yes, yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> our college days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so excited to be working together again and, um, you know, be collaborating and something we're both passionate about. So, yes. I'm excited to get into today's topic, um, which is really just kind of a conversation around mental health, because mental health is so important to the self and to our well-being, and that's what this show is all about. So um, Mm -hmm. from one mental health professional to a budding mental health professional, um, (laughs) (laughs) reloading, we'll get to talk about that. Um, But as always, we're going to start with our check-in question. So today's check-in is, what's a guilty pleasure for you? Yeah, guilty pleasure. Um, You know, I would say it's it's watching trash TV, you know, like watching like TLC um, shows, like 90 Day Fiance, any like those dating shows or like home remodeling shows I love I live for that Um, (laughs) and it's just like (laughs) it's just so nice to not have to think about anything when you're watching those shows and it's like so different than like my real life (laughs) or anything Mm. so um so yeah so that that's my guilty pleasure trash tv (laughs) I love that Oh, what's the one I've been watching recently married at first sight do you watch that yes yes oh (laughs) what a mess I love it so much <laughs> I know it's yeah it's 
always so fun to watch those shows and then you're like why would you do that right <laughs> or <Yes>. like <laughs> it's unbelievable but also very believable because we know how people work and how people think <laughs> exactly so. exactly I mean they're like I mean they're basically reality tv shows so you know part of it is real right? mm-hmm. <laughs> like um but <laughs> yeah. yeah for me I think a guilty pleasure, the first thing that came to mind was ice cream. <laughs> mm. um, I, I eat vegan ice creams because I can't have dairy, but yeah. I love them so much. I think they have more sugar <laughs> probably than regular <laughs> ice cream so that they yeah. taste better, but mm-hmm. I love them like cashew milk ice cream. Mm. Um, and what's the other one? Oat milk ice cream. I feel like are the creamiest, like most delicious vegan ice creams. And I'll buy a pint and just eat it. (laughs) I, yeah, no, I, I hear you. (laughs) Like, yes, I I love ice cream too. I, um, yeah, I'm also like, I shouldn't eat so much like dairy. Um, cause then it upsets my stomach, but I still do it. And I live for Rocky road ice cream. Like that is, (laughs) that is so delicious. (laughs) I think we both know what we're doing later. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, everyone, of course, as usual, share with us what your guilty pleasures are on the Instagram. Um, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to indulge in them as well. <laughs> yes. um, some trash TV, some ice cream and anything else y'all can think of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into the topic today. Mm-hmm. So, Wendy, tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so um, I am a therapist. (laughs) So what that means, you know, it is your traditional therapy where I see individual clients and, you know, work with them um, in an office setting, which is great. I mean, that's why I went to get my master's in. Um, You know, a little bit about me, I think. So my dad... um, is a recovering alcoholic. Um, but you know, for as long as I can remember, he was always in deep depression, you know, when he was, when I was about like nine or 10 years old, he tried to commit suicide. Um, and so just Mm. seeing that, um, all my life pretty much, and just like how he's had his ups and downs with his anxiety and depression. And then obviously also like, recovering from substance abuse so that mixed in with like him not finding a therapist or Mm -hmm. like really the help that he needed um I mean he's part of AA and that for him is his therapy which is you know it doesn't have to be traditional therapy right but that's what we're talking about today right but it wasn't that he chose that that would be his therapy right it was just that he couldn't find anything else first of all he couldn't find a therapist that spoke his native language, right, which is mm. Spanish. Um, and then it was mostly just giving him medications, which, yes, he needed, and he still do- takes medication to this day. But, you know, it's been it's been struggle seeing that. And then I went off to college, right, yeah. and I saw, you know, a lot of my friends and even myself struggle with my own mental health and just being in a new place and, you know, all the – trauma we had to endure um Mm. in our college experience right and 
being first gen, being people of color in a predominantly white institution um, was hard. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, not all of us made it through, right? Uh, there was a lot mm -hmm. of our classmates ended up, you know, leaving or taking a break and then coming back. And so um, we had a lot to carry. And so mm -hmm. I, um, you know, after, with, because of my college experience, I wanted to come back home, which is San Francisco, um, and work with first-gen students um, in, you know, with the um, college application process. And then I ended up working at a school that's a newcomer pathway school. So it's predominantly mm -hmm. for immigrant students um, who have recently immigrated to the U.S. Um, okay. And that was, you know, that was for me, again, the wake-up call. Like, you know, my students would tell me these stories, these traumatic stories right and mm -hmm. to them it was just something normal right like like crossing the border and getting shot at right or things like that Ugh. was like their normal <laughs> experience yeah. um or like you know their their experiences in their homelands right being harassed by the gangs or you know experiencing all these horrible things and the it, it just broke my heart every single time where for them, that was normal, and they thought that that was okay for them to live because that's all they've known. And so just listening to their stories yeah. really made me – that was the part that I loved the most about my job then. It was listening and getting them the chance to really vent to me. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, we had to, come like, basically create this – what they had told me into their personal statements, right, and, like, share it to – who knows what stranger was reading their story, right? Um, yeah. And in order to get accepted to college for a college admissions to give them the chance to attend their campus, right? And, um, but yeah, but just like, and it's not okay for our youth, right? To have to experience that trauma in order to find or pursue a better life somewhere else, um, which is a whole <laughs> other mm. thing, right? But yes, um, yes. So, yeah, so my youth, along with, like, my family inspired me to go back to school um, and pursue, you know, my master's and to be able to do therapy now and, um, you know, work with people that also, I think, especially, so I, you know, graduated during COVID times mm -hmm. um, <laughs> right? and was doing... <laughs> fulfilling my hours I mean I'm still fulfilling my hours but I started fulfilling my hours for licensure um during COVID um and so lots of grief therapy um you know lots of people are losing so much right not just like physically people but just losing jobs losing their economic stability um mm -hmm. so I do a lot of that but the other cool part that I get to do is I work predominantly now um, with the farm workers community in Half Moon Bay. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole different uh, <laughs> form of therapy. And it's really cool. I mean, I don't think anyone really, uh, like no nowhere else really this work is being done. Um, where I get to go along with my colleagues to the farm. Um, and we get to do group therapy um sessions there we also um so we've been rotating around like the different farms um we also 
go and like do food delivery services to them that we get oh, from wow. the community. Yeah. Um, you know, my colleague has worked on like doing womb kits. Um, so kits for women who have recently given birth or just, you know, have reproductive um, needs. Um, and so like, for instance, she, she got for people to donate like tampons and like met, um, herbal teas that she, you know, we like created the kits and I, it was really awesome. And so we're doing like different um things like hygiene kits that we take to the farms and it's amazing it's a different form of therapy really because we're doing these other small things for them to know our faces get to know us and build that trust so that when things do arise right they feel comfortable enough to come to to alas or to any of us uh, the therapists that are working there um and feel comfortable feel welcomed and cared mm. for um and so yeah so I do see individual um clients who are farm workers um I see sometimes their kids right of farm workers or um their spouses and it's it's really amazing work um and it's it's different but it's and it's a learning process I think still because I mean there's no research done yet on it or anywhere you can really go look and be like hey how do I do that you know yeah, so how do I do like, therapy in this setting yeah. right. <laughs> so um yeah but it's but it's great I, I really really love my job right now I love that it sounds like an amazing job um something you said was that you do certain things additional things that other therapists might not do so that you can build trust with the community um mm-hmm. can you talk about why that's really important in this case yeah. Um, yeah. So part of the reason why, so we deliver food, we go every other Thursday to like six different farms um, in mm-hmm. Half Moon Bay. And we go and, you know, I am like, we're giving them like the food and we just engage in conversations with them. Right. And then they're getting to know us. And that's super important because I think, you know, in so many, we can go back to history, right. How our mm-hmm. people have been, mistreated and have been you know their trust has been broken um and so if I'm just one girl walking into a farm um and you know I yeah I speak the language and may look like them but I don't necessarily have the same experiences they did right first of all I was my privilege is that I was born in this country right and and I've never have worked in the farms right and so it's a different experience for them and so it's super important for them that, yes, I may not have the same experiences as you, but I'm still here for you, right? I still want to mm. be here for you and, and be a support system if that's what you want it to be. Um, if not, like just having a conversation and checking in with you or how your day is going, that's also fine, right? Like we don't have to go beyond. Also, like not everyone necessarily wants therapy, right? And that's totally okay um but if it ever does come to that right like just letting you know that we are here we're we're here for you and and um yeah so it's building that trust and trust me it it has been it's been hard like not hard but like it does take time like you know the first time you go they're all like "Mm, who are you you? yeah yeah (laughs) um, right 
like I, I clearly remember the first time I went to the farms, um, they were just like looking at me like, who are you? What's your name? And, and you know, just like, and now that they see me um, little by little, they're like, oh, hey, Wendy, how are you? Like, you haven't, you know, or like if I, like, I was in there the last time they, the rest of the team went, they're like, oh, what happened? You didn't come, right? Because maybe I was sick. And so it's really nice mm. building that community. Um, and seeing that they, you know, they feel comfortable around us now too. Um, and, you know, I can engage in those conversations with them. And, you know, when we do want to do groups, um, which is now, you know, this is the third time, the third group we've done in the farms. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're the girl that comes, you know, <laughs> every yeah. um, other Thursday. Um, yeah, we're interested, right? And like being in the group or like also feeling comfortable to deny it too like if they don't want it um we don't want to feel like we want to force them right to to be in like the group um and so also having that space to be able to give them their own time um because you're not always ready either to engage in this type of work um so yeah yeah, yeah you said something really I think important there about how like you know in the building the trust Part of it mm -hmm. is that, you know, they don't know who you are um, <laughs> and you're just mm -hmm. coming into a space, you're a stranger. And like you said, yeah. you know, I may speak the language, we may look similar, but um, I didn't have the same experience that they did. Like there are a mm -hmm. lot of things that are different about us too. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the value in women of color, people of color and getting into men the mental health field is that our experiences are similar enough um, mm -hmm. And that we understand enough things and that we can be here in a different way than, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a different outsider can. <laughs> um, yeah. That it's impactful and it's important to people. Um, mm -hmm. Which I think, I mean, is how we even connected. Yeah. <laughs> as friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, no, like we yeah. didn't share a culture, but mm -hmm. we shared an experience. <laughs> we shared yeah. a very... Uh, specific kind of experience at a predominantly white institution yeah no for sure and I think that's yeah you're definitely hitting on it because that is I think what um there's so much privilege and disadvantages between all of us right and and but we do get that like you know like the only <laughs> I feel like it's one of the few times right that we get that upper hand right like we get yeah. to <laughs> like oh you know we're at an advantage point um contrary to a lot of other situations that with people of color are not on the advantage <laughs> point right. right yeah we have but, our moments um, yeah yeah and no I mean I think even the simple fact that I am bilingual right I, I am fluent in Spanish as well that already it's like gave me a whole different access um to who I can work with um mm -hmm. Because right now, all the therapy, I, do, I only have, like, two clients that speak English out of my client. I'm like, you mm. know, my, um, everybody else speaks Spanish, uh, which is also. Did you, mm -hmm. did you expect to do therapy in Spanish for the I most mean, part? Or did you expect, like, a blend when you got into the field? I expected a blend. Like, I definitely, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I did it, right? Yeah. Because I wanted to be able to speak. Um, you know, do therapy in Spanish, um, because I know it's such a need. However, I didn't think that, like, 
you know, 90% of my clients mm. are going to be in Spanish. And that's hard too, right? Like talk about how there isn't really programs out there where we can take a class on how do you do therapy in Spanish? In Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, you so, took the program in English. Exactly. And so I've been just like, translating everything that I learned into Spanish right mm. although of course you're not talking to your clients either in like therapy terms right it's mostly True. like having conversations but still like some techniques and things that would be helpful if you could take a class right and and like for bilingual therapists but um yeah. at least I didn't have access to that <laughs> yeah well maybe down the road you can teach that class <laughs> yeah I mean that would be great <laughs> <laughs> um I want to talk more about your personal experiences because you know we get personal here and selfish um and you've already done some of that you know sharing about your background and your history about what brought you into the mental health field mm-hmm. um and I know that's something that we had talked about prior to um kind of coming on was our experience in college and mm-hmm. that <laughs> yeah yeah no I mean I you know myself like definitely I think honestly after college my anxiety definitely took a toll um and yeah I mean like I said I I think so many people around me um people of color specifically I want to say are the ones that I feel our mental health is so impacted, right? Like generational trauma is a thing, right? Yeah. And so um, it's, we're already like born with so born into so much trauma, right? Um, in addition to maybe the own traumas we carry, right? With um, mm. the families we are growing up in, right? Um, like, you know, also, I talk about how my students normalize, right? Like a lot of their experiences, but I also think about how I normalized a lot of my own like childhood, um, you know, growing up with someone, with my, my father being like abusing substances, right? Yeah. And I thought that's like what every home <laughs> went through. I never thought it was, because I saw it also in like my uncles and like, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And it can feel like it's normal when you see it so much. Exactly, exactly. And um, it wasn't until like, oh, you mean like, you know, your dad doesn't like break things when he comes home, you know, and drunk. Mm, um, right. Until I was like, oh, okay, that's just like my experience, right? And, you know, my dad throughout the year, and especially now as my <laughs> being a therapist, but I have learned to understand that he also carried his own trauma, right? That led him to go into substance use. And then, you know, like that just led to, because obviously like he was self-medicating himself um, Mm -hmm. and trying to numb all the pain that he was having um, and then develop depression and anxiety and, you know, became really suicidal at some point in his life. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember when he became sober and, you know, and our life, I always say like the day <laughs> my life changed when my dad chose recovery, 
um, in all the aspects, mm-hmm. right? Like his mental health, his um, substance abuse. And, you know, he's been sober for uh, t- this August will be 20 years almost. Wow, 19- go dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, or, or 19. I think my brother was like a few months old when he, he ended. But yeah, so, and, you know, it's been a different way of living um and so that was my first time seeing like recovery is possible um and you know caring for your mental health is possible and should be like you know the expectation um and then so you know and then I went off to college Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know like we went to a predominantly white institution and it was so hard (laughs) right Mm -hmm. it was like (laughs) It was a culture every day. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I talk about when I, I tell people I went to school in Michigan. And they're always like, <laughs> how is that? I'm like, <laughs> girl, like, why? <laughs> yes, exactly. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I had my reason. And like I always tell people, I don't regret doing it. Um, I think it shaped who I am today. I think... Um, it awakened a lot of passions. Um, and now I look back at it and I'm like, damn, we did that. Like we brought an ethnic studies program to school. We did an interculture center. Um, Yes. And yeah. And people are like, what? (laughs) When I tell them like everything, you know, like the students of color had to like go through and they're like, oh, and you were a student, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of that, we were students, right? Like we were our trying job to create like, curriculum and also yeah. <laughs> just yeah. go to school. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, you know, and then I talk about like the professors we had and how, like, you know, shout out to Dr. Gandhi, right? Yes. Like she was there always from the beginning. Um I always talk about how um when I think it was like my second week at Kalamazoo when, you know, Mecha took over stage um, to demand. Whoa, um, really? Yeah. That was your second week? <laughs> I think it was like my second week. And when we took over stage and demanded for Chicano studies, right? And mm-hmm. um, and I remember them seeing like Dr. Gandhi and like she smiled. And, I, you know, I was so nervous of like how she was going to react because she was like my professor. <laughs> My oh first yeah, seminar professor. Um, because not everybody, not all professors, didn't have that reaction, right? No, some of them not. like shamed not everyone us. smiled. <laughs> no, some of them shamed us for doing what we did. Mm-hmm. But then I remember going into Dr. Gandhi's class, and she applauded me for what I had done and like what Mecha had done, and like talked, and we, we took like a whole time of class to reflect on what had just happened and how like she was proud of the students who had done that and I was like wow (laughs) you know like that feels great um because you know not we didn't get those moments a lot there um at all I mean we had like a few professors right we can probably like literally name them now and (laughs) only Mm -hmm. like five because we know exactly (laughs) who they are you can count them on hand And, and that's what I tell people, right? It's not like, okay, you go to, like, a store and experience a bad, like, you know, have an experience with a Karen, right? It was mm-hmm. like, we had Karens all over the place. Everywhere, in every part of our experience, and we lived on campus. 
yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, we couldn't just escape and go home, right? Because our homes there, right, our dorm rooms or, you know, wherever we were living, Mm-hmm. like we still have to face that maybe with our roommates or like our neighbors <laughs> right and so yeah it was hard um and then you would go to the classes and then your professors would sometimes say things that I was like ouch you really just said that mm-hmm. and it's like am <laughs> or, I going to have to stand up and talk about this and fight about it in class or do I just sit here and take it exactly and like worry about it later right yeah everyone or doesn't have would- to do that exactly or you would say something exactly right or we would say something that was valuable to the discussion happening in class Mm -hmm. and it would get dismissed but then your white classmate would say it and then it was like something smart that they had said I'm like what I literally (laughs) just said that (laughs) 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 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but you know where however I also always add that yes, we lived all this, but then I would have not maybe met people like you or, you know, people yeah. that we really, I think, came together and we're like, this is hard. Like, how are you surviving? You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> um, and so we created our family, right? We've created mm-hmm. our home away from home is how I always uh, like to think of it and speak about it. Um, and you know, if we would have not had those experiences, maybe there wouldn't be an ethnic studies um, program, you know, in Kalamazoo mm. or an intercultural center, right? Um, mm. So things happen sometimes <laughs> for a reason, and we were able to work together and come together. Because, too, I feel when we started, even the students of color were super segregated, right? Like, yeah, you... You know, you have your Black students with your Black students, your um, Latino students with their Latinx students, right? It was just, like, super divided. And I Mm -hmm. think this, it got to a point where we were able to come together. It wasn't perfect. Like, I definitely think there's a lot that still needed to to be worked through. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of healing. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's the word. But, yeah, but we were able to come together and, and... produce some change and make it hopefully better for the future babies right that get (laughs) get there and hopefully it's a much better place now Mm. I mean I still haven't been able to go back since I graduated but (laughs) 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 um maybe someday um you know it has crossed my mind I'm like I want to go but then it's also like no it's it's hard to go back Mm. um and yeah. But yeah, but I think, you know, our mental healths were never the same. I, I mean, at least for me, it was never the yeah. same after that. It um, opened up something new. It opened up like a new part of yourself. And sometimes yeah. when people say that it's positive, like, oh, I opened up a new part of myself that I didn't know I had. But in this case, it was like opening up a can of worms <laughs> um, <Yes>. and opening <laughs> up a new like experience that we didn't know was waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that takes yeah. a toll. We were so stressed. Yeah. <laughs> we were so stressed all the time. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot. I mean, coming back and readjusting to my hometown again and realizing like, oh yeah, I forgot people are not like I don't always have to be on the defense anymore. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that was always like, you know, um, even like having time away from my friends 
you know, that I went to college, like I definitely took some like friendship breaks <laughs> um, yeah. throughout after graduating. And then now I'm like, we're super close again. And we're all like, I talked to a lot of like my good friends from college still, but um, I think we also all needed that to heal, right? Like we mm. just went through this and then we don't, I don't think there's still like <laughs> the necess- like the words for it, right? Like, but in so many ways we were living some PTSD, right? And like talking to these people that went through the same exact thing, it's almost like bringing those memories back, right? But I think we all needed to do individual healing in order to be able to talk about it again or like, you know, be able to hang out in a space that is like fun now, right? Like where we're not. Yeah. Um, Like on a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, no. And it's, I definitely have done a lot of healing (laughs) since graduating college. Yeah. I wanted us to talk too about, you know, um, how mental health can look different and does look Mm. different and has to look different for us, for people of color, for BIPOC folks, um, Mm -hmm. for marginalized communities in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know something that we were talking about before was how friendships can be a part of that. So sometimes it's like, venting to friends and finding similar experiences and being able to lift Mm -hmm. each other up in a certain way. But the other side of that, I appreciate that you brought up is like, and then we may need to take a break afterwards yeah, because we're not trained professionals, but Mm -hmm. we also need the person there who has that shared experience to be able to see and hear us in the way that we need to be received in that moment for that healing to take place. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same if you go speak to a clinician who, you know, isn't there with you, (laughs) who Mm -hmm. hasn't had that experience at that school or in that organization or um, with that person or that type of experience because of who they are, because of their identity. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have a friend or a loved one who has that, sometimes it can be about, you know, having a conversation that is healing And also we have to know, and I think like as professionals now, we know that that can take a toll (laughs) and you have to take that break and step back, you know, after so much, because you can only carry so much. Exactly. And it's honestly some of the work I've done in my own healing, right? Like, so I, I have gone to therapy as well. Um, I had a really bad car accident and my anxiety levels were like off the roof. Mm. Um, So I really, I went to therapy, but a lot of the work I did was like, yeah, some of that anxiety that was produced due to my car accident, but also within it, like a lot of the boundaries I needed to start setting, um, (coughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. not, not just with like, yeah, with friends, but I mostly the work I did was like setting boundaries with my family. Right, because I think, (laughs) um, you know, I am super close to both of my parents, my brother, but sometimes those boundaries can be blurred, right? Especially, I think, especially with my mom and I, um, because she's she's like my she's my best friend, and we tell each other almost everything, right? But sometimes I need my space, right? And Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, going off to college, 
there were physical boundaries, right? Like she couldn't just like, <laughs> yeah. pop in, in my room and like ask me what what I'm doing or, or have a conversation with me. So when I moved back home, those boundaries were like like taken out, <laughs> I feel. And so mm-hmm. um, you know, I like grad school going to my first year of grad school was hard in setting those boundaries with my whole family. Um, where I was like, I need, like, I'm doing homework, right? Like, you can't just call me to do, or like, you know, or like, tell me to go upstairs to do this and this for you. Um, That also comes with being, my parents are both immigrants, right? And navigating different systems. Um, And I'm the eldest. So I'm the one who's usually helping my brother, like, navigate school, my parents navigate, like, you know, whatever bill that they don't understand or Mm. um and so yeah like learning I really had to work in therapy to learn how to create those healthy boundaries with my family where yes I am available but you also have to respect when I'm not available right Mm. and not getting upset or feeling guilty I think that was the biggest part for me is not feeling guilty for not being able to drop everything and go help my mom right um and then even, you know, and I have, so that was in grad school and then grad school, I mean, I was planning a wedding, um, working oh full God, time yeah, and were. going to <laughs> full time. So, um, it was a lot. Um, and if I think if I would have not gone to like traditional therapy, right. And, and, um, been able to work through those things and really letting go of that guilt of like, I also need Wendy time. Um, mm. And, you know, I loved the your podcast with um, Morgan when you guys did the, the self-dating, right? Oh, um, yeah. It was so good. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do more so. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so taking myself it's on the waves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I know, like, when I was in, like, grad school, when I would go from work to school, like, I would definitely take that time to buy myself like dinner and then like Mm. just sit and like that was like my time right um or like taking myself for coffee or something um but yeah and and it's it's hard to do that if because you haven't learned that right like I didn't learn that from my parents like my parents my mom has always been super involved and very helpful to my grandparents right and Mm -hmm. um so that's why, you know, she expects the same, but now it's like, well, I can't give my a hundred percent. Right. And now that I'm married to like, um, you know, managing that too, like my romantic relationship, right. My marriage and also like my work and my family time, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's always, it's constantly, my boundaries are constantly shifting. <laughs> oh, I like Thank that. You. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so also um, with that, I would say normalize also giving yourself some time, realize some break time from family too, right? From friends and families, because sometimes, but especially families can become toxic sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's hard to like, because they're family, right? And I still think it's, even I'm still working with this, right? Like learning how to like really let go sometimes even though I know I have to because they're not serving me any good anymore or like you know they're causing me more pain at this Mm -hmm. moment in my life right and so I need to 
be better at like vocalizing that. But again, it's like going back, boundaries are constantly shape changing. Boundaries. Um, yeah. And so, um, and same thing with our friends, right? There is a moment where we need to just take a pause to do some self reflection mm-hmm. <laughs> or like doing some self, um, yeah, just some self healing maybe in order to be able to give more of myself to this relationship. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think in, um, like black and brown families, you know, often they can become really tight knit because they have to Mm -hmm. be to share resources to, Mm -hmm. you know, protect and insulate themselves from the outside and like the systems that, you know, are working against them. Um, and with that comes, like you were talking about that, uh, learning to or being taught to be available all the time mm-hmm. and you know feel like you have to self-sacrifice even if that's not necessarily the word or the phrase or the dynamic mm-hmm. you're thinking of when you're doing it but we start to self-sacrifice and make sure that everyone has what they need and oh how can I help this how can I help that if I'm not doing something for them or for work or school then you know I should be I shouldn't be doing anything really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm yeah. glad that you know, you're taking that time and you could see even, even just small moments, you know, out of utility, having to grab dinner for yourself. Um, but mm-hmm. that being a break and windy time and like time to yourself, <laughs> because we have to do that. That's an, an additional layer. Like we love our families and, mm-hmm. you know, they can be really supportive and really positive, but also to an extent, you know, that, that is to an extent. So if you do feel that dynamic of, okay, am I getting what I need? You know, do I actually have time for this? Or am I making more issues for myself by helping? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Am I making more issues for all of us by helping or trying to help? Like, am I angry now? And, you know, my anger made you angry because you're like, why are you mad at me? Why are you angry? And I'm angry because I don't actually have time to do this. Um, and now yeah. so-and-so's like, hey, Sarah's pissed at me. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone's upset when really it's just, oh, we needed some time apart. I think, you know, we had gotten a little enmeshed to use a therapy term and we need to set a boundary up a little bit. For sure. And I think, yeah. And and having that communication, right. I think it's super important because even on the work we do, right. We are listening to people's hardships every day. Right. And we take that all in. And of course, right. We learn to disconnect, but it's, sometimes it's depending on who your client is, right? Some clients really come in crisis and you go to bed thinking like, huh, like, I wonder if my client is okay, right? Or like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if, you know, they were able to to have this conversation or something. Um, Yeah, did I say the right thing in this time, in this moment? Yeah, and so you come home and you're like, you feel heavy already. And in my case, right, with my husband, I'm like, sometimes I have nothing left to give to him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just need his presence and just like, let me just have my moment. And sometimes like he does, I'm not going to lie. Like he does get the, <laughs> I get, I take it out on him. Right. And he, yeah. and, and he's always like, you're, you're upset. And why are you taking that out on me? I haven't yeah. done anything. Right. Um, But it's, 
like wreck it. And then I have to take a pause, right? I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm not upset at you. It's just like, I am hurting because of something my client said. And I, it's just, it hurts to know that somebody's going through so much pain. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, but just all that energy we carry that sometimes, and you can say the same, right? Like you want to hang out with your friends, but sometimes it's like, okay, I want to go out with you this weekend. But then Saturday comes in, like, actually, I just need to like lay in my bed all day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and just relax because I haven't, I don't have that energy to give today, right? And so, yeah, yeah, the boundaries. Yeah, you're pro. <laughs> so. <laughs> I wanted to bring in one other thing, um, like what we've been taught about mental health. Mm. Yeah, super yeah. important. Yeah, like I know growing up, <clears throat> I didn't know anyone in my family who had gone to therapy. Well, I didn't know that people in my family had gone to therapy. I'll rephrase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had family members who had gone because of something that may have happened, you know, whether it be an accident or, you know, a loss in the family or something that mm-hmm. may have gone to a few sessions, but no one really talked about it until yeah. I was an adult. <laughs> and, you know, I may have been talking about my own experience and then they say, oh yeah, I remember when I was like 12 and I went to a therapy session. I'm like, oh, well, that would have been great knowledge mm-hmm. to have before. Yeah. Um, but no one really talked about like mental wellness or mm-hmm. mental health or like mental well-being, any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we learned about vegetables and exercising, <laughs> but yeah. as far as like maintaining a clear mind and um, stabilizing your emotions and things like that, I don't feel like we got any um, like direct counseling mm-hmm. or feedback or guidance on any of that stuff yeah yeah no definitely yeah same here I mean that's why you know my dad struggled so much because no one in his family told him it was okay to like heal um mm-hmm. with a therapist right um yeah. so yeah I didn't go to therapy until I was in college right and I remember having that conversation with my mom and she was like why, why are you going to therapy? Right. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't grow up. I don't think anyone in my family, at least even now to this day, I don't think anyone went to therapy or at least has vocalized that they went to therapy. Um, so it's, yeah, it is something that it's not talked about. Um, yeah. And it's still very stigmatized, right. When you think of therapy, like, people still refer to like, oh, I'm not crazy. I don't need to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah, because like, you can only go if you're crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's like, crazy. Um, yeah. like, yeah. And, um, you know, now it's, no, like, that's not what therapy is at no, all, right? Like, no. you don't even, I mean, they tell us in grad school and like all my classes, like, you shouldn't wait to go to therapy until there's a crisis, right? Because by then it might be too late. Um mm-hmm. But you should do the work before you hit that, right? To avoid that crisis. Um, And so, yeah, there's still so much stigma. But also, you know, like my boss now, who was my professor, something that I will always remember that she says is that like, 
is it really a stigma or is it like the access, right? Is it that we have mm. these perceptions because we don't have access to therapy? Mm. And so therefore our families have this misconception of what therapy is. Um, whereas, you know, I think the work that I am currently doing, right, we're going to the farms to give them like access to therapy, right? Like, yeah, because we want to break that stigma, right? So that if something arises, they can feel comfortable to go and access therapy. Um, mm. And, you know, now it's like, I feel when people, you know, when we introduce our, ourselves to whenever we go somewhere in Half Moon Bay and we're like, oh, we're with Alas, they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they know us. Mm. It doesn't feel shameful. Um, I think a lot of my clients, too, are shifting their perspective of what therapy is um, because they do come in sometimes with like oh so I thought therapy was this and this right like I thought you were going to tell me how to fix my problems right and Ah, I'm like no I'm like no you know I'm like just helping you like discover create you know different strategies that help you empower yourself to you know to help you get through the obstacle you're going through um so that is something I have noticed that you know me and a lot of like my colleagues have to do is like redefining what therapy is um to people in our communities because yeah we don't we have a complete different perception even when I went to therapy for the first time right I was like Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to expect um and yeah you're totally right Sarah like it's so important for us like clinicians um to do our own work right and go to therapy um, because if not, you know, like, then you don't really feel like what your client is feeling. And because um, mm-hmm. it is a nerve. You haven't had to be in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it can be scary. Or, you know, like, you're telling everything to this stranger, right? That you, know, yeah. you don't know. Like, why I trust you? <laughs> exactly. I mean, eventually you did bring, like, mm-hmm. build that relationship. But um, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. it is an ongoing conversation right and hopefully someday right like things shift right I I hope that you know when I have my own kids right like making it making them feel like whenever they feel like going therapy it's okay um Mm. and even with my own parents like my mom now is active in her own therapy and she loves her therapist you know (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it's like I've seen the shift, um, you know, and and it's, I mean, therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. <laughs> That's I what agree. I always tell people. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, because like we all seek therapy, you know, no matter how you feel about like actual therapy and like the therapy space and like seeing mm-hmm. the shrink or whatever you refer to it as. Mm-hmm. Everyone is always seeking therapy, you know, whether yeah. it is through uh, a hobby that you find soothing because Mm -hmm. you need to find a way to self-soothe like oh I like doing this thing it calms me down that's therapeutic Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, if it's venting to a friend or to a loved one because Mm -hmm. you just didn't want to hold a secret or you just couldn't hold what was going on anymore that's Mm -hmm. you seeking out a therapeutic relationship that's therapy yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly we're doing it all the time you know Mm-hmm. Like 
people that go to because I think sometimes even too like if you think about religion and like people are like oh why am I gonna go to therapy when God is just gonna solve my issues right right and it's like yeah right but that's why you go to church because you want that like healing Mm -hmm. right through your spiritual connection so it's it's similar right like therapy so yeah like there can be healing through multiple routes and like therapy doesn't remove the relationship with your higher power it doesn't remove your relationship with god Uh it adds to your relationship with yourself you know exactly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's so true because i mean that's i talk to a lot of my clients you know about like religion because they are like religious people um and so it it's good to also engage that part into the therapy itself too because it is a huge part of a lot of people's lives so Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that could be a whole other uh, episode, Sarah. <laughs> I think so. I think we need to talk about it. You'll have to come back. Yeah, <laughs> we can. We can bring Dr. Gandhi in here too. Ooh, for that yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We'll have to do that. We'll call her. We'll call her Thanks. once we post it. But yeah, you're so right. I mean, yeah, just bring it into the space. You know, mm-hmm. you got you can bring your religion into therapy. That's fine. You know, yeah. we, we are here to serve you. And I think that's another thing. Sometimes people get like nervous or hung up about, well, what if like we don't share a belief system? You know, mm-hmm. like what if I'm Catholic and my therapist is Muslim? Like, then what mm-hmm. do I do? Like, well, mm-hmm. that our job is not to be um preachers or leaders of our religion in the therapy space. Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, our job is to act as therapists. Like that's a job, you know, just mm-hmm. like any other job. We have rules and guidelines and there are things you do mm-hmm. and things you don't do. Um so for anyone who's a little nervous or thinking about entering the therapy space, we just here, you know, as people who had similar experiences and had to enter the space themselves and are mm-hmm. now therapists it's okay it I promise it's not as scary as it seems <laughs> and you're you're trying to do it all the time you're doing it all the time already mm-hmm. so going to see someone who's trained to do this who's you know not in your family who's not someone who's gonna sit and get burnt out on your stories um mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we do that's yeah. our problem it's not your problem you know you exactly your relationship with us <laughs> yeah um, yeah you know, that, that's what you get out of seeing a therapist. So Mm -hmm. a little plug for uh, mental health professionals. (laughs) We're here for you. (laughs) We are, we really are. I mean, I think a lot of us chose this career for that, right. To be accessible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I think it is time for my self-care suggestion, mm-hmm. um, my selfish suggestion. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. So the selfish suggestion for today is to take some time and think about your mental health. Like, how do you feel? Do you feel stressed? Do you feel fatigued? Do you feel tired? Do you feel angry? do you feel sad and like how often is that going on just like Mm -hmm. notice sit with yourself for two minutes and just notice your emotion your emotional state and do some exploring of that why are you feeling that way 
and think about things that you do already in your life that bring you the uh, the salve to that emotion. So if you're feeling really angry, think about things that you do in your life that bring you a sense of peace and then maybe do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as a little therapeutic moment for yourself. Yeah. That's an, that's an amazing one, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> we should all do that. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm gonna do that too. Little, I know. Well, mental check. Um, Same. And and if you want to bump it up a level, you can start looking for a therapist today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go to therapy. Therapy yeah. is great. <laughs> it's great. It is so good. It's so good. And I I have enjoyed most many of my therapists. I won't say that it hasn't been a search sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you don't find the right person right away, but that's okay. There are plenty of others and you just go look for someone else. Um, yeah. And we and won't then, get offended. And like, we won't it, get offended. It, it could be the other way around too. Maybe the therapist doesn't feel comfortable, right? With mm-hmm. like, there isn't that connection. So it's okay to like change um, therapists yeah. and be like, actually, it's not working out. We're not going to get offended. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the job. It, you know, it's it part, is. part of it. So if you're mm-hmm. feeling real funky, you know, you can just go look for a therapist today. Psychology Today has a lot of filters. Um, <laughs> I send people to therapy for black girls. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the other ones? I think there's a therapy for black men website now as well. Oh. Um, do you know any? Can you plug any websites? Wendy, not not websites necessarily, but I I would just suggest like look at your like your, your community centers. They mm. usually have you know um, resources to like local therapists or you know organizations that do therapy for free or in mm. a sliding scale. Um, so, mm-hmm. and if you live near a college or a university, um, mm-hmm. typically they have a. Uh, practice where you can see someone at a discounted rate um, mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as you know students PhD students master's level students um, mm-hmm. that you can see so I'll plug that too yeah yeah well, well thank, thank you Sarah thank <laughs> you Wendy for being on this has been such a pleasure and I look forward to having you on again yeah I would love to come back <laughs> wonderful So thank you all again for listening. Uh, We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, Take a look at the Instagram at a little more selfish. Keep an eye out for the journal prompt and, you know, next week's episode. And until then, take care of yourselves, be kind to each other and try to do something today that makes you feel just a little bit more selfish. Talk to you soon. Thank you again, beautiful listeners, for tuning into our show for another week. As always, shout out to Noel Illustrations for our cover art, and a special thank you to our guest, Wendy, who you can find on IG at WendyLizbeth underscore 98. We will see you all next week. Love you.